I'm your host, your best host, Namdi, aka Premium Nam. Alongside, we got the people champ, KC. All right, so guys, uh, listen up. Today, we got something different today. This is our first guest interview. He is an honorable All-Big Ten. He's a two-time All-Academic Big Ten. He is a barred lawyer in Washington, D.C. He has played football at Penn State University. On defense, he's known as a Nigerian nightmare. On offense, he's known as the African blindside. Welcome to the... Show Chima Okoli. Welcome, brother. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Nick, nickname's always on point, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Chima, we're going to just get right into it. Uh, tell us how you got started at football. I just mentioned that you played football at Penn State University. How did you get started in football? Right. So, um, obviously, being uh, Nigerian coming up, you know, soccer was, was my main interest. Um, but as you know, you get a little bit older. I remember being in the high school cafeteria. My older my brothers had played football, um, one of which was still there at the time when I was in high school. I was a freshman, he was a senior. And the head football coach was just like, just stopped me, like, man, look, you, you need to come out for the team this afternoon. Like, just pulled me to the you know, to the side of the middle of the lunchroom and was like, look, you need to do it right after school ends, meet me here, let's 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 try out, get it done. And I did. And, you know, honestly, uh, no looking back ever since. But it was literally just like that. OK. All right. I, I wish we all had that kind of story. Hey, guys, go to this tryout. You may almost seem kind of mad. Like, man, go ahead, man. Stop playing. Like, look, you know, you know, you need to be like, all right, enough, you know. So, so it, um, but, I, but I really do thank him for that day, because honestly, what, what, a, what a life changing decision. So you mentioned that uh, your parents are Nigerian, right? So how did your parents take to you uh, actually playing football? Because you know a lot of parents in this day and age say football is a gladiator sport. It's uh, brutal and violent. So how did your parents take to that? It is. Football is all of those things. Um, and it wasn't something that they sought out and were like, oh, wow, traditionally this is – what I would look in the in the sense that an American parent, uh, you know, may say, I want my son to be the point guard or the quarterback. Right. Like you go up, you grow up understanding that these positions are, are things that are coveted and um, positions of authority on the team. With my parents, it was more of obviously take care of yourself. Make sure your academics are in line. Right. Make sure that those are where they need to be. And once football became a more viable vehicle to get scholarships, obviously they were more um, supportive of it. but definitely always people who sacrifice to get you to that practice or to buy those extra supplies for you. So they were integral um, in the early part of the journey for sure. Okay. Um, what was your ranking like before coming to Penn State? So, you know, they have a lot of five-star recruits, four-star recruits. What was your ranking and why was that your if you Um, I was a, I was, I was a humble three-star recruit. You know what I mean? Um, but none of those rankings matter, man. Honestly, once 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 you get into the mix, because for example, there are certain people who, mind you, they're five star X Y Z, but you know their town might only have you know six hundred, seven hundred people. You know what I mean? And the level of competition they played against it might not be the highest. You know, so uh, but then you got dudes who are five stars X Y Z, and then they come first day at camp and they ball, and you'd be like, yeah, all right, cool, he, he he's tough. 
You know what I'm saying? So uh, once you get into the mix and everybody's in practice and everybody's kind of moving around, all that stuff goes out of the window and you see who could play it and who can't, you know, and that, that, that adjustment is rough, particularly when you are um, age 18 and you are new to a lot of different things, not only football, right. But it's the new town, it's a new city. Um, it's a new understanding of what life means. Let's say you're from New York city and, you, and you're going to university of Nebraska or Tennessee. It's a huge culture shock. Right. Mm-hmm. And adjusting to that is a big part of, um, your first experience. So once you kind of hit the locker room and you start talking to people and you fill everybody up, a lot of those rankings go out the window. But I was definitely um, one of the top 50 players nationally uh, when I was coming out. So, so Chima, what was it about Penn State that made you want to go there? To be honest, man, so where I'm from, I'm from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Um, obviously, by way of Nigeria, as me and Nam had discussed, Everybody where I'm from, we, our school is Virginia Tech, you know, um, coming up my area, you know, you have people like Michael Vick from my area, Alan Iverson from my area, um, uh, Tyrod Taylor and Cam Chancellor actually hosted me on my Virginia Tech visit, you know, because that's what it was. That was kind of the the school that um, everybody had went to. Percy Harvin's from this area too. A lot of really, really good players. And I was like, that's cool, but I've always been a I've always been somebody who valued originality, right? It's like mm-hmm. just because people are I've always been I've always been a little bit different, you know what I mean? Just a little bit. And there was something about Penn State, it was an unknown quantity to me. You know what I mean? I wasn't too sure you know that much about it, but everybody that I had spoken to, um, even you know where I'm from, would always tell me about the school and they would always tell me about uh the alumni base, and they would always tell me about the winners up there, you know, and, and playing for Penn State and Beaver Stadium, those type of things before I could even really understand them. And in combination with a good academic profile, because that was a big thing for me as well, uh, meaningful uh, academic profile in whatever school that I chose to go to. So Penn State was able to kind of give me, give, give me both of those, you know, a good quality of football. And um, I think the year before that, they won the Orange Bowl. You know what I mean? And they were they were coming off some really, really high profile wins. And I also knew that they took their academics seriously as well. And that was big for me. Um, so, um, hey, hold on. So um, you said you mentioned Percy Harvin, Michael Vick, AI. Myself as well. Oh, sorry. And yourself. Like, what's going on in that Virginia water with all these athletes that are just coming out there? Now, do you guys train differently than most uh, normal suburbs or cities or what's going down in Virginia Beach that those kind of athletes come out? Man, I, I, I wish I knew, you know what I mean? But the but the truth is, it's like at that time, you know, you also have uh, Pharrell Williams and Timberland and the Clips and Missy Elliott. You also have a huge, talented, uh, let me just plug the music side as well. You know, so it, it, I, I can't really tell you um, exactly what it is, but I will say that we have um, a lot of different people from a lot of different cultures that move here, particularly because of like the military influence. So you have a lot of guys who are from New York or guys who came from Atlanta or, or you know, Teddy Riley actually um, came down to Virginia Beach and that's where the Rump Shaker video is shot. And Pharrell allegedly made that beat when he was 17, but you know he claims that he didn't. Probably He probably did. But anyways, it's sports and it's music and it's that type of, you know, summers doing two a days and listening to Lord willing when it came out, you know what I mean? It's like, they just go hand in hand, you know, and 
with the area being what it is, it's Virginia Beach, it's Norfolk, it's Chesapeake, it's we're we're competitive. You get what I mean? It's almost like the boroughs in New York. We're, we're competitive uh-huh. within our space. You know, it's like when you go up to D.C. or you go up to Maryland, 20 minutes in either direction will land you in a different part of that state or a different state entirely. So it, it's competition that I would say. It's competition. And it's also um, it's a standard of going to school and starting and playing well. You know, like um, I have friends who went to every single school imaginable, you know, and everybody would check on one another like, hey, what you doing? Oh, I see you balling, you know, because we all understood that, a, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships. So we was always pressing each other and making sure that everybody, you know, held it down regardless of where you were or what level of school you went to. All right. Hey, Mr. Rel to Rail, what's up, brother? Welcome to the show. How you feeling today? Hey, guys. Good evening, I'm just kidding out of church from my tardiness. How you guys doing today? What's up, man? Welcome. Uh, so, so Chima, you talked about you talked about going to Penn State. Talked about coming out of high school, but what what exactly when it was time to put the pads on, put your helmet on? What exactly did the coach? What position did they have you play? What position or positions? Because you and football, right. You so I was playing. I was playing three technique. You know what I mean? And I had I had no idea what I was doing when I first got there. I literally had because in in high school football is. Uh, it's much more of an insti- instinctual type of thing. You just get it. You know what I mean? But this was the first time where it's like, yo, this is this responsibility and this play and this formation. And it definitely frustrated me uh, at times when I first got there because Coach Larry Johnson is a very, very demanding and exacting coach. You know, a shout to Coach Jay. He's at Ohio State now uh, due to some some politics. You know what I'm saying? But um, politics as usual. But um he just he would always demand the most out of you, right? And he would demand it at such a level where he knew what you could give. So if it was anything less than that, he wasn't accepting it. And for like I said, when you're coming in as as a as a youngin, you're like, man, that can be tough. You know what I mean? Because it's it's never just one thing that you're doing or one thing that you're worried about. Um, but you know, when I first got there, it was a matter of trying to understand what it meant to play a uh, defensive line at that level, right. A- at the highest level and trying to see how I could uh, perpetuate the the successful things that people have done before me. Right. Um, that came, especially with the Penn state D line. It's a lot of really, really good players that have come and gone. So there's a, again, a very, very high standard that's been set. So that was, that was my main thing. And um, truth be told, man, it, it was hard. It, it's a hard adjustment because you have the pressure on yourself to perform, but you also have, the usual expectation of being excellent at what you do. And those two things, trying to weigh them out, can be tough um, when you're first getting into them. Yeah, I have a question. Uh, you kind of answered one of the questions I already had. I was going to ask you about the transition from high school to college. Since you already answered that, I would ask, how long do you think it took you to get acclimated in the college system, uh, about how many practices you think, and then how many games you felt like, all right, I could do this, I'm good. And one more question, how how much do you feel like your teammates helped you get acclimated? Um, yeah, well, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll go from um, bottom to top there. Your teammates are important, man. I remember we would have, this is probably like um, – maybe like, oh, eight, you know, I mean? this is a long time ago, but um, I had a teammate whose uh, father had 
passed and we all got on buses and went to Maryland um, to, well, I, I didn't, but maybe like 70% of the guys did all went on, you know, went to Maryland to his pop's funeral, you know, um, the old heads would take you aside, you know, and get you right. You know what I mean? If, if, if you weren't really handling stuff well, or, you know, there's a lot of pitfalls that you can um, ensnare yourself in and it would put you on game that way as well, you know, kind of give you a heads up um, maybe about who you need to associate with and, and who you might want to uh, reconsider associating with due to their experience. And that's, that's really how it's supposed to be. Um, but as far as the adjustment, maybe your first, your first couple of practices is still kind of like, you still like, man, this is cool. You know what I mean? This is tough, but it's different. You know, it probably takes, I'll say a good couple of months for you to get adjusted to school and scheduling and, and, and going to mandatory breakfast every day at 9am we had mandatory breakfast where you had to go and check in or else he was going to be in trouble. You know what I mean? No matter where you were, if he was on campus, off campus, whatever. So those little type of rules, they, they, they would definitely be the worst. Like, man, we were grown about it and complain, but all of those little type of things just reinforced what it meant to, to be above good and be at that high level. And if you want to maintain that high level, these are the things that you have to apply to it. So um, that adjustment is all part of it. And having like seniors and juniors that would, uh, take you aside and, and get you on game is really, really important because eventually that's going to become your job as well. Um, who had, so you were coming in, you, you became a senior, right? Freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, you became a senior. So who were any rooks or sophomores that you had to mentor? Um, <clears throat> I'm trying, I'm trying to think any, any of them that, 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 y- that y'all would know. Pro- probably the, this this final class, like the, the last class of dudes on the team, um, you know, Obang, um, Nam, you know, you, you should you should at least um, a lot of the guys from that last uh, Bill O'Brien class. So, you know, and I'm not even going to I'm not going to gas and overstretch my 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 word as, as mentor. But a lot of the young dudes that are playing in the league now, Donovan, Donovan Smith. I remember when he was uh, in high school, you know, he would come up. And he would stay with me and Quinn, uh, Quinn Barham. Shout out to Quinn. He also works at Ohio State now, the enemy, but that's my man, um, my, my former roommate. But a lot of the guys would uh, come up and just kind of hang out before they were anything. Like, y'all want to come hang out? Let me crash on the couch. And to see where he is now, you know, see all of the, the success he has, you know, super, super, super happy for him. But, you know, you look at guys like Allen Robinson, who barely, I mean, he didn't, he, I barely heard him say all that much his time being here, you know, but he's been thriving quietly um, with below average quarterback play is one of the most solid receivers in the league. You know what I mean? So it's it's a ton of them. Go ahead. What'd you say? Allen Robinson and Donovan Smith play for again. Uh, Donovan Smith plays on the Bucks. So you're going to see him tonight. And then um, Allen Robinson plays on the Bears. So he's, he's um, their leading receiver and he's, he's, he's a really, really solid player. And he used to play for uh, Penn State number eight. Um, so you alluded to this, so did Rel. You talk about the schedule. Can you go more in depth about the schedule of a D1 like collegiate athlete? You said you had nine o'clock uh sessions. 
tell us about your workouts, your three a day, the four a day. What what was it? Yeah, so de depending on whether it was in season or out of season, um, I, in season is a bit more forgiving because you know it's like that's when you're making the money, so you know you get treated a little bit nicer. But if it's if it's off season, man, you're gonna be up at and it's like an early workout day. You have a six a.m. workout, so certain dudes get up at five thirty. Me, I like to I like to face the pain early, so I get up at five mm. and then go to the building. So if it was a six a.m. workout by five fifty, you had to be dressed, ready to go, and on the field. You know what I mean? Or in the field house. You know what I mean? The indoor facility, where wherever you need to be, you need to be there. Um, and then you do that breakfast, then class. And then possibly you come back in the afternoon for maybe like seven on seven. We used to call it drill six um, or specialty position group work. Um, and then an example of a typical in-season day, waking up, breakfast, and then you're in classes all day. Come to practice at 2.45. You practice from 2.45 to like 5.30, whatever. Um, 5.30, 6.30 is dinner. And then you're in study hall. So it's literally your whole day just doing one thing to the next man so it, it can definitely get taxing and that's another thing nobody really tells you about how that's going to be you you just gotta do it and figure it out right and figure out your little strategy your routine or what works for you because the what works for the next man it, it might not work for you you know and so on and so forth so that's another hack of teaching yourself when no one can really help you there even if they wanted to it's like well how can I tell you what your best schedule will be? You're the only person that would know that. So that's another thing you kind of just got to add in when you, when you freshly arrive. And I could attest to that. You know, I didn't play D, but I did play D2 basketball. It was used to be running and trying to get in the gym before they closed the door. Because once they close the door, you got to go back to your room and you had to pay for it in the afternoon practice, as well as we had weight training. And, you know, we'd be done by 7 o'clock, due to class at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. Yeah. So you had to hurry up, run back to the room. Dress, shower, eat, make it to class on time, and it, it was it was hectic. And you know, for guys who are freshmen who don't really have the mentors, who didn't make the connections yet with the other dudes on campus, you kind of try to like you gotta like figure out your way. So you know, it's it's tough. But like you said, once you get your rhythm and you figure out what works for you, you'll be all right. And then it helps for you to be playing good too. You know, you get the girls inside, they help you out, <laughs> call wake you up. That's a fact, man. <laughs> Okay, what you about to ask? Oh, I was I was gonna ask Chima. So, with everything that you brought up, do you think college athletes should be getting paid? Of course, yeah. of course. I mean, and, and so that's actually a really good transition, man, into what I'm doing now. So, um, long story short, I 2012, I got invited as an undrafted free agent to Seattle Seahawks camp, which which was an awesome experience. And I know you're gonna ask me about like some ill people that I played with. And probably two of the best people I played, I played against Patrick Peterson in a uh, bowl game. Um, he, he was just a dog at LSU. And then I played against Russell Wilson in Seattle, or excuse me, Russell Wilson in Wisconsin. I'm sorry. Um, played against him there. And I also played with him briefly uh, when I was with, with uh, the Seahawks, man. And he's, he's a beast. He's a really, really good player. Um, probably one of the most cerebral, just like, natural football players that, that that I've ever seen. Never the biggest guy, never the fastest guy, but probably just the, the rest of the intangibles, you know, the guy the guy makes up for it. Plus leadership. You want to play for him. You know what I mean? He would duck he would duck his head into the room every now and then say something funny. 
you know, and he he didn't have to do that. You know what I mean? He was he was he was somebody that makes you want to pull out your best without really spazzing or any of the rah-rah stuff. You know, that's not really his type of game. Um, and Coach Carroll, being the oldest coach in the NFL, this man is full of energy, like all the time, always hype, always film study. If you got burned in practice, everybody playing on the big screen over and over and over again. So he always, you know, he always kept it light like that. Um, but as far as um, college athletes being paid, so I, I – Long story short, after my football uh, career uh, subsided, I ended up going to law school, um, passing a D.C. bar. And just this past August, um, I launched Marathon Mentors Legal Consulting Company, which deals with name image likeness for student athletes, which is the student the topic of student athletes getting paid. And what I have to say on that is. Um, this is long overdue, quite frankly. And I think that when people say student athletes getting paid, it's a bit of a misnomer, right? All it is is allowing student athletes to participate in the economy that they create based on their exploits, right? Like, for example, it's not big bags of money being dropped off at student athletes' front desks or porches or whatever. It's saying, listen, if you have done the work on the field or on the court or ice hockey or in the gym, whatever it may be, and someone recognizes that and wants to compensate you for that, then that's not going to be illegal. You got to remember, we're going back from the Fab Five and Jalen Rose and Chris Webber and all those guys, and their jersey is selling at the bookshop for $100 back in the 90s when $100 was something, right? And they, they don't even have enough money to go get Taco Bell. They had to put their money together to get a pizza. So that um, inequality has always been there. And it's getting brought to the fore right now. So to catch everybody up legally, um, the NCAA and the Power Five conferences went to Congress to be like, well, listen, because California passed a law that says, hey, student athletes can get paid here. No, we don't, you know, we do, we're not going to wait for anything. This is what we believe. Florida then says, hey, we want, we want that too. Um, because you got to look at it from the state's point of view. It's a huge point of revenue. You got the Seminoles, the U, the Gators. That's tax dollars. You know, if, if you're Florida, why wouldn't I want to, all that money flowing through the state? Not to mention Florida high school football, which, you know, is, is already crazy. So the NCAA tried to tell California, like, hey, if you go on with this bill, we're going to ban y'all from NCAA competition. California basically called their bluff like, well, if you're going to ban USC and UCLA, you're going to lose that money. You know, be my guest. They backed off. They then went to Congress and said. Can you give us a national framework, a national set of laws that everybody has to adhere to so that we don't have this law here and this law here and that law there? Um, so let's say that to say student athletes being compensated for their name, image, likeness is way overdue. And it's, it's simply a matter of um, rightful equity and not even fairness at this point. Student athletes are the ones who are penalized if you know, you're at a McDonald's with your teammates and they give you a free hamburger. Well, technically, the NCAA says that is an impermissible benefit. And now your scholarship is in question. Right. So it's been so far skewed against the student athlete for so long that now finally and, and it's kicking and screaming, too. It's not like the NCAA has been happy to make this change. They were forced and pushed. Right. So they're finally pushed up to the point where they have to act and move. And just this past week. They were supposed to vote for their national mandate on what they're going to do. But with everything going on, they decided to delay it. But 
name, image, likeness, student athletes being compensated is definitely on the way and it's going to be here. So. So with that being said, is there going to be like a if this use of football, right? Will the quarterback get paid more money like the NFL or is it not a salary based thing? It's just based off who you are as a person. Right. Because his name, image, likeness, if I'm like a po- more popular player than you, will I get paid more money because I'm more popular? Right. And that's a good question. Um, and when the when, when the federal law is actually like finalized, we'll know more. But the truth of the matter is everything has a rank and everything has a cost. Right. Like if you, you, you if you go into a clothing store, there's certain brands that are naturally just cost more than the others. Right. There's certain people on the team that are going to generate more clicks and more impressions and more autograph requests than the others, because that's how it goes. So I think it's really, really important to just look at it and say, if we can look at the strata, how we can make categories and strata about everything else, as far as quality and as far as appearances and as far as uh, media clicks, then we can handle that. But if we have to devise a system saying X amount of starts made, X amount of snaps played, X amount of minutes played, there's always a way to, to handle that. Plus, the beautiful thing about free markets and capitalism is that the market sets itself, right? The, the, the price of a thing is that it, the price is the price because that's, that's what the market says, right? Mm-hmm. If the market says that something very, very expensive is all of a sudden not expensive, that's, you know, the market sets itself, right? So if you are a player that would garner a lot of attention and a lot of clicks, then chances are your exploits, right? What you have done has earned you the ability to profit more off of that. And if you're, you know, the the backup tight end who gets maybe one or two, uh, three, four, five snaps a game, then there's a good possibility that your chances of that, at least that traditional way of monetizing your name, image, and likeness might be lessened by that. But there's definitely a, an opportunity for you maybe to go back home and do smaller type of things, right? So it's always relative, right? I think that we have to get away from every single athlete is going to get become Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, right? Like that's not how it's going to happen for the vast majority of student athletes. But for the student athletes that are able to be on that level or anywhere around there, right? Then they should be able to profit off of that because in any other industry, that's the code and that's the standard. So um, for many reasons, um, a lot of them socioeconomic, a lot of them um, racial uh, student athletes in basketball and football have not been able to profit off of that. And we believe that, you know, we need to change that primarily going through education. Well, you know, you think that you're going to be able to go get this contract and do that. Well, do you even know what the basic legal elements of a contract are? Probably not. Right. Do you have any basic finance? Probably not. Right. So, you know, what we're trying to do is work with the schools to make sure that we can include the necessary safeguards so that when you are faced with this decision, when it's contracts and endorsements and that type of thing, you can make an informed decision. And we believe that's the best way to go about it. You hear that, people? So if you're going to college, don't play baseball, soccer. You ain't going to get paid. All right. Play basketball, football. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, listen, play soccer, go overseas, get money. Listen, be, be, be on your way to the money, man. That's good for everybody. That's right. That's you know, right. You, um, you mentioned that Patrick Peterson was the best uh, collegiate player that you played against. That was against that was in the bowl, um, bowl game? Yeah, against LSU. All right. So how many bowl games have you played in, in your college career? I mean, five. We went to a bowl game every year. 
so like what's the difference between a bowl game and like a regular game right like what the pressure the atmosphere like can you describe it yeah i mean the the, the main difference in uh, the rose bowl is probably the best uh it's probably the best i was i was fresh and fresh and wasn't even playing but man i got, got there a day early and um linked up with my my boy who also it used to be right they would the, the system would be called bowl checks so right around december everybody was gone from Penn State and you would fly from your home airport. So they would say, all right, well, an airport from Virginia to LA, Cali, they would basically plot out a flight, like what a general flight would cost and send you that check. So if you were smart, you would obviously get a flight that would be a couple, you would, you know, get a flight for a couple hundred dollars off, save that bread. You know what I mean? Right, right. So I got there early. Two days, two days early, right? Two days early, and I'm like, all right, bet. So we check into the hotel, my, and my man is like, yo, my uncle lives out here. He does construction. He plugged into the city. Let's let's pull up. I'm like, all right, cool. So he comes and gets us SL big Batmobile bands. I'm like, yes, this is great. Mind you, I'm 19 at this point. I'm really, you know, I'm just young. So we ride in, go to some uh, bar. He park his car in the fire lane. You know what I mean? Pull us in. We with him. You know, Alyssa's is allegedly as well, uh, by the way. And then um, <laughs> we end up going to West Hollywood, right? And the spot, you can look it up. It's called Dantana's. If you ever go out LA a lot, out Westwood, you know about Dantana's. So anyways, we end up going back to get my, uh, my teammates Mercury Mountaineer. You know what I mean? The little car we was going to drive. So we following this Benz. So he pull up, get valet. You know, we pull up in the valet. They look at us like, what do y'all do? What are y'all doing here in this? Do y'all need a? Y'all must have been looking for another place. Like, no, no, no. We mean to be here. Gave him the little keys. We hopped out that joint. I was like, all right. So we in line. And I'm like, man, okay, this spot has to be super nice. We're, mind you, the team doesn't arrive for another whole day and a half. So we're in there, man, and I kid you not, man. We start sit, sit down, start eating whatever, and he goes, "Look over there, the table behind us to the right is George Clooney, Paris Hilton, and Ridley Scott. Like they all together, bro. Uh, and this is not a word of a lie, bro. Like I could have reached out and, and and touched them, but I I couldn't I couldn't wild out because everybody was like not making a big deal out of it. I'm like, oh, this. <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool, cool. So we eating, and I go to the bathroom. And y'all seen the movie Tales from the Hood, right? Anybody seen that movie? Heard of that? So like the black dude who plays like the evil character, that that like old black guy, uh-huh. he was in the bathroom washing his hands. I'm like, yo, I like your movies. He was like, okay, thanks, man. And I'm just like, yo, this is a trip, you know? So as we sit down, we finishing up, the bill come. That joint is, is tall as a house. I just, you know, I, I just passed the bill on over to my my man's uncle. Like, I'm not even gonna look at this. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same for me. It's for you. So as I'm leaving, Tyler Perry come in. He sit down, and by himself, nobody. They start talking about the Dodgers or some, you know, some weird stuff like that. And that was day one of my Rose Bowl trip. You feel me? We went back home. Long story short, so I tell that story to tell you that like, you have time at a bowl game to get into whatever you want to get into most of the time. You know what I mean? And I'll leave it at that. So you have to make sure that you are adjusted because, for example, just us coming over to the West Coast, it's a three-hour time difference. So first you got to make sure that you're treating your body the way you should because 
by the time it's seven o'clock over there, you you feel like it's ten, so you feel tired. You know what I mean? So your sleep cycle might not even be where it needs to be. And hey, we got practice, man. In the morning, we got to get taped up and ride out. Plus, we had to get police escorts everywhere because you know, again, I'm sure you y'all, some of y'all been out of LA before. That traffic is insane. You know what I mean? Like getting, we were practicing where um, the Home Depot Center in in Carson, where the LA Galaxy uh, uh, practice. But but if we didn't have a police escort, it would literally take us two hours to get there and two hours to get back, you know. And then you have USC who this 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 is this is 30 minutes up the road from them. You know what I mean? Like their commitment to coming up to the bowl game was very, very minimal, in my opinion. You know what I mean? And I always wondered why you had the L.A. team playing the L.A bowl you know what i'm saying maybe that's like the, the the hater in me because the last two times we went out there well especially especially that last time we've blown winnable chances it's a whole adjustment man coming all the way out there whether you go to florida or texas or california bowl games are fun man and there's a chance for you to get with your teammates away from wherever your standard college town is and, and hang out man so a lot of fun stories something i can tell you on this and some that maybe I have to hit you up offline. And uh, <laughs> you play for the Seahawks. In your opinion, right? What would you say uh, is the difference between somebody who don't make the draft and somebody who makes the draft as an individual? What do you think sets people apart? To be honest, uh, and this is you're gonna hate this answer, but it really depends, man. You know, and I'll give you an example. Yeah. Um, you have somebody like James Robinson. I don't know if you're familiar with James Robinson. I don't know if any of y'all play fantasy. If you play fantasy, you would know who James Robinson is from the Jags. Undrafted free agent, right? Nobody expected anything of him. Every single other team could have had him for free. They passed on him 1,400 yards, one of the best running backs in the league, right? He went to, uh, I believe it's uh, Illinois State, I believe, right? He went to a smaller college, went yeah. undrafted. You know what I mean? So at every level, People have just passed on him for some reason. But here he is, one of the best running backs in the NFL. And then you have guys who are, you know, supposed to be – how many times do we see a quarterback, five-star, elite 11, Gatorade player of the year, gets to college, beast, and then he gets to the pros and he just can't hack it. That happens a lot, right? So there's never going to be a, a guaranteed tell to say this person will or this person won't. But the – like, you know, you play with dudes like like uh, Varro Bowman that I played with and you just knew the dude, the dude was different, man. You know what I mean? He, he was different as far as his approach to football because he's a, he was a he was a really serious athlete, but he never looked like he was actually trying that hard. Mm-hmm. I had to try. I had to try hard. You know what I'm saying? Like I had to try at this, you know, but him, I remember watching him take like an 80 yard fumble back to the crib and outrunning the other team's DBs just like it almost looked like they they had contract now we can't tackle we got to let them you know what I'm saying and just because it was the effortless nature with which he played with you know what I mean so there's certain people you see him and you're just like you know what yeah that that person has that it whatever it might be but there's no one defining feature but I will say man just the people who succeed a lot in the league are the people who are just military about their stuff. They always rehab properly. They always train. What, what do you always hear them say? He's an old vet. He knows how to do what? Take care of his body. You hear, you hear that phrase all the time because somebody like Larry Fitzgerald, I mean, look, look at his body of work. You know what I mean? Like it speaks for itself. He's been playing football in 
the highest level for a long time due to the fact that he knows how to train. He knows how to um, what specialist to see. You know, he, he eats right, that type of thing. So that and working extremely hard is the last factor that you see with most guys who are in the league. That that that's the old tried and t- tried and true, and it hasn't really changed. All right. So you was a uh, you were alluding to the mental aspect of like the game. Can you go into more? So takeaway besides like taking care of your body, how 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 would you get ready for a football game? Right. Say if it's a rose ball. Your senior year last year, how would you sit down and say, like, hey, guys, we have to win, right? Like, what's the mental aspect of it? Starts with tape, man. It starts with tape. Okay. And it starts with tendencies. It's really because football is the – that's why whenever – um when the, when the Patriots were stealing people's signals, uh-huh. it's such a big deal because it's like, yo, if you know my signals, you know, you know a lot about what I'm going to do on offense and defense, and I'm literally handicapped, you know? So um, – Whenever they bring, for example, every whenever they bring number 21 in the game, they're, he's their passing down back, they're probably going to pass it, right? At least 70% of the time, you can count on that. Um, but smart teams will bring their passing down back in and then run, right, to try and go against their tendency to let you know, hey, you don't have us in a box. So you want to prepare for it that way. Um, also, looking at, looking at their playbook, that's what the scout team is for. The, the scout off, if I was when I was on defense, the scout offense runs all of their plays, right? So, for example, they might have a mobile quarterback. Maybe we'll bring uh, a wide receiver out into the scout team and have him run around and and imitate their mobile quarterback just so we can get used to it. But it starts with a a lot of film study, man, and a lot of uh, getting your body. There's been games where I've been just too amped up for him. And I end up being tired earlier, right? So it's just it's kind of being able to have that focus and and meet it out uh, gradually as the game goes on as well to put yourself in that mental space because it's a long game, man, and you really need to be tapped in for all four quarters. So um, it's it's a combination of those things for sure. Um, You said you uh, played for Pete Carroll. Let's take him out of it, right? What 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 other NFL coach would you want to have played for? Hmm. I like Bruce Arians a lot, man. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I like Bruce Arians. I think he's cool. You know, I, I think that he's a player's coach. Also, uh, Tony Dungy, because he gets things done without um, – really needing to raise his voice or, or amp up too much. He's a very, very respected and measured man. Um yeah, those are those, those are those are a couple couple coaches right there. I, I like Bruce Arians because he, he lets things hang loose. And it and I I was wondering how it was gonna work with him and Tom Brady because Tom Brady is Tom Brady, remember the other guy I talked about? Analytics, numbers, charts, like percentages, avocado ice cream, you know what I mean? I don't know if he <laughs> likes that, but he eats it because maybe it gives him a you feel me? Now it gives them a zero 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 point one percent chance at beating you, right? Uh-huh. You know, that's that's it. And me, you know, I'm 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 more I'm more of a creative, you know, and less less of a by the numbers analytical type of person. So I think I I would get along with, with Bruce Arians, um, somebody like that who knows how to have have a little fun, hang a little loose with it. All right. So um, sticking with coaches, you play for Joe Paterno, right? So 
what was your relationship with him? Like, how was Joe Paterno? I know uh, he gets a lot of slander for what happened with the Sandusky stuff, but, like, can you tell us, like, how was Joe? Yeah, no, he was just an old man who liked football. You know what I mean? Um, And perfect coach, of course not, right? But um, I I think what, you know, what was so different about him was the simple fact that academics was so important to what was going on, right? Uh-huh. He would have people come in and check your class to make sure you were there. You know what I mean? And then he would tell you about it, you know, no matter who who, who you were. So um, now and you can look at it within the graduation race. And you can also look to the type of people that are produced from Penn State football. You know, if you, if you you come and you sit down and you talk to especially Joe's guys, I mean, these guys are different. You know what I mean? They're doing things. They're going places, you know, and, and Joe always emphasized um, your career trajectory once football was done, you know, like what type of man are you going to be? What are you going to add to your corner of the world? You know, what are you going to add? How are you going to improve your your block or your city or your family? Um, and that was important as well. But yeah, you know, in going, going, going through that period, it was almost like, you know, and I won't get too in depth to it here, but it was like, man, you know what? At the end of the day, the media is a powerful thing. You know what I mean? So what it's hard, it's going to be, it's hard to refute what they say, if they say it enough times, you know, um, but more, more than anything, the man with the man was focused on making sure people graduated and making sure that people um, had a chance to to improve their lot in life. You know, and for that, I got to got to give the man a big up. Um, being being a former a former college athlete, excuse me. Um, what do you think about the Jaguars hire of Urban Meyer recently? I wanted to get your thoughts and opinions on that, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, Urban Meyer said he never going, you know, never going to coach again. Guilty wings have got no rhythm. How the song go? But this man, I mean, I think it's a, if you're the Jaguars, that's a great hire, right? Speaking objectively, but again, Urban Meyer looks for a good opportunity and he takes it, right? Regardless of whether or not he set him, whether or not him saying that he doesn't want to take any more opportunities, you know what I mean? It's that type of thing. Um, I'm curious to see what he does. Obviously, him, Trevor Lawrence, he looked at that opportunity saying, like, I get my I can get my own staff, a fresh start. Let's do it. Um, but the truth is, man, you know, you you have the same college coach who will sit in your grandmother's living room and tell her how she's gonna take care of your son and how you know he you're a big part of what they're doing. And then um Tennessee calls him and offers him five million dollars a year and he's out the next morning. You know what I mean? That happens all the time, right? So, again, it has to be the accountability that goes the other way when dealing with the coaches because they don't have to sit out a year, you know what I mean, when they transfer. So um, there's just so many rules that need to be brought back to the fore. And Urban Meyer being able to kind of go to Florida when things weren't so when, – when, you know, when Tebow and them left, the talent dried up a little bit, then he's at Ohio State. <laughs> had some situations at Ohio State, you know, said his health was acting up again, quit there, you know, he's back. But that's Urban Mind for you, man. That's Urban Mind for you. Uh, can you shed some light on how hard it is as a player to adjust to life post-playing? Like, when it's you make up in your mind or you see how your career is going and you just and you understand that it's time to transition into something else how hard do you think that is to stomach yeah, that's a, that's actually a really good question because a lot of guys actually i think everybody has to adjust to it you know what i mean everybody has to adjust to um people reacting to you differently 
and the things in your life becoming focused on something else entirely. Right. So um, I think that the, the, the guys who have the plans are usually the ones who are able to kind of get that adjustment going a little bit easier um, just due to the fact that they were expecting something like that to happen. But it's, it's definitely an adjustment. It's definitely even the way, even the way that you eat, you know what I mean? Like you need to make a serious adjustment to your life because, you know, you want to be able to be, be able to be productive in that next phase of whatever you're doing. Um, and a lot of guys, especially if you have a 10 year NFL career, you've seen the highest of the highs for a very, very long time, but you always need to be, you know, I call it future proofing yourself. You know what I mean? There would be guys who, Hey, you know, I have this investment going here. Not like me and my buddy are going to open up a club. You know what I'm saying? Like some serious investments that are going to work. Um, and you have, you know, guys who were saying, you know, I, I'm a trader in this, uh, cryptocurrency or people helping me invest in this way. You have guys who make that preparation for, Hey, I'm not going to be playing football one day. This is the best way to um, continue to thrive. Cause let's be honest, like you get out of college, you're 21, you play in a league four or five years, six years, seven years, maybe you get lucky. You have a long career. You're still 28. You know what I mean? You're not old. You still have a lot of life that you got to live. And you see people who um, might not have managed their money the best in locker rooms, NFL cut day, you know, they're distraught, you know, because they don't really have what you would call any semblance of a real backup plan. So then all of a sudden they have to put their pieces together. And, you know, I always say, get ready for that next turn around the bend so that you don't have to try and scramble when it comes. So, yeah, that's definitely a good question. And, and having a plan helps you adjust probably better than anything. Mm. So I have one more question. This is the okay, easy question. I just want to hear. I just, just want to hear it. I'm, I'm pretty sure we all know the answer. But how easy is it to blow your money as a pro? Oh, that's actually a good question, dude. It's it's. I mean, you. I mean, it's it's only easy on days that end in Y. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, bro. It's because at the end of the day, you have people around you, and it's not even like it's just. You have to watch the women that you're interacting with. You have to watch the, the the men that you're interacting with. You know what I mean? You have to watch the the financial advisors. I know guys who are financial advisors from big time agents that I'm not at liberty to say on this call, but they take nine hundred thousand dollars from guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it might not be all at once. You know what I mean? It might be through this, that, and the third. You know, so there's there's like I said, everybody wants you to go invest on a nightclub with them. Everybody wants you to help their clothing line get off the ground. And y'all laughing because y'all know, you know, and the truth of the matter is you got to be smart, you know, and it's tough, you know, because as, as, as black people our 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 grip on wealth is our, our understanding of wealth isn't where it should be. Um, but man, you, you have uh, guys who are, blow $10,000 a night, you know what I mean? In one, in one outing. And that's not even a huge deal. So it's one of the, it's the age old thing where people are policed so heavily on any other thing. I wish that we would do the same thing and the NFL would do the same thing. You're, the rookie symposium needs to be all about financial literacy, nothing else, but 
we'll get there, man. My takeover isn't all the way complete, but uh, I'll make that happen one day, man. Don't worry about it. I got you. you sound like knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man. So 2020 was a weird year, right? We had the pandemic, COVID. However, college football, NFL, sports still is pushing forward, right? So I call it like a venture year for a lot of players because it's basically a free year based off the NCAA rules. How would you or what advice do you have for collegiate athletes right now, right? So say, for instance, let's go from players who have not performed well in this year to getting better or players who are, who's coming off from injury, right, for the next year. Like, what advice would you give collegiate athletes? Um, Definitely have your academics straight. That, that would be my that would be my first yeah. bit of advice. Um, and my second bit of advice is if you're trying to go D1, you got to make plays. You know what I mean? You, you got to pop on tape. If there is a tape that's – there's a there's always a camera that's rolling. So you need to be the best player on the field and strive to constantly uh, stick out. Oh, who's that? You know, you, if you don't pop on tape, then chances are you're not going to be able to do that. Um, and the beautiful thing about it now is they have huddle. They can upload their own highlight tape. It's, it's a lot of – huddle was in its infancy when I was leaving high school, you know, so – a lot of these things are these self-promotion services are more readily available. Um, and, it, you know, talking to, you know, people trying to student athletes trying to make that jump from professional or excuse me, from high school to division one is rankings and offers and all that type of stuff. It's not an exact science. So it doesn't mean that the person with the most offers and the highest ranking is the best player. So the field is the great leveler, right? Like you have to perform just like I have to as well. So that will probably, you know, round it out as far as um, what I would say to them. And also make sure you look up your name, image, likeness, rights of whatever university is saying that they want you to come there. You know, make sure that you're getting your equity out of it and seeing what the university has in store to do for you uh, and your potential earnings in that way. So as we um, come towards the end, right, tell us more about Marathon, right? Like you just mentioned the name, image, likeness. So if I'm a high school senior, should I like go to you like, hey, like I'm going to this college. What's going on? Is it is it going to be a field where new people are getting hired to protect high school athletes from college? Sure. Definitely. So first, I would tell him to go to MarathonMentors.org, uh, check us out. And then I would let him know that absolutely, man, there's going to be a bunch of um, people that are in this space. And as with any new emerging field. You're going to have people that are taking it one way and people that are taking it the other way. Marathon Mentors about us. We are we seek to to put tangible skills in these student athletes. Right. So basic understanding of financial literacy, basic tax information, business startup formation essentials. Right. So these are things that you might never go pro, but you're going to pay taxes. You're going to earn a salary at some point. You're going to do all those things. A hundred percent. So what we're doing is having professionals from the legal world, from the finance world, from um, professional development, student welfare. We're having those professionals boil those things down by contacting um, alums of universities and say, hey, you know, when you started out your business, what are some important things that you would like to pass on? That's real life knowledge. That's um, it takes it out of the book learning and into the practical. Hey, based on my experience when I actually did this thing or that thing, 
here are some things that I would like you to know. And our approach is, yeah, it's awesome to be able to, you know, quote unquote, get paid. But it's much more important to have those tangible life skills that are going to come into play time and time again down the road, regardless of your career choice. So that's what Marathon Mentors is about. Definitely check us out, MarathonMentors.org, and we'd love to service you. All right. So on our podcast, we have a segment called Start Bench Cut. Welcome to another edition of Start Bench Cut, where we have to start a player, bench a player, and unfortunately, we have to make a hard decision of cutting a player. So essentially, you have to start a player, bench a player, and cut a player. So we're going to... Well, you get, you're getting cut off break, so here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, we're going. I'm choosing three quarterbacks today, right? So we're gonna start with you since you're our lovely guest today. Start bench cut: Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> what a, what a okay, see. All right, all right, okay, all right. So <laughs> it's not a perfect life. Not a perfect. Oh, that's cool. You're right. Yeah, you, you go ahead. We're gonna cut Tom Brady off okay. top. Yeah. Who you starting? Who you benching? Who you cutting? So you cut Tom Brady. Who are you gonna start? Who am I gonna start between uh Mahomes and Rogers. Aaron Rodgers? Well, we got you know what? Here, here, here's what I'll say. I know he got hurt today, but we, we gotta go with Mahomes, man. All right, so you, okay, so you're gonna start Mahomes, bench Rogers, and cut Tom Brady. Absolutely, and I'll tell you why, right? We're we're benching Tom Brady because well, you're cutting him. You're not benching. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're, we're cutting Tom Brady because he's at the, he's at the point in his career where you know what? It only takes like that one little, you know, that one little hit that might, you know, get him up out of here, right? Um, and between that's what I'm saying. And and Tom Brady needs a lot around him to make it right. Legend, awesome player, no disrespect, right? Arguably the greatest, but as of right now, we get him out of here. All we're right. gonna we're gonna get Aaron Rodgers on the bench because I know for a fact that. He needs no warm up. He needs no uh, uh, snaps. He's ready to go, right? So, like we saw in the Chiefs game today, you might need somebody to just come off the bench and hey, just manage it out for us. Don't lose it. And then Mahomes is in the game because he represents dynamism. He could throw the ball from any arm angle. He could, he's he's sneaky mobile as well. And I really really hope that he recovers uh, in time to keep going in the playoffs, man. But that's a uh, start bench and cut for me. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's how you come to represent. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna start Mahomes. I'm gonna bench Rogers and I'm gonna cut Tom Brady. No, you're gonna cut Brady. You love Brady. Yeah, I'm gonna cut Tom Brady. Cut Tom Brady. (laughs) There it goes, man. Bro, you got I am no fool. I'm gonna listen to the football man. Tom Brady's out of here. Never go against Don't try to fix it. Listen to that man. Tom is out of here. He got his rings. It's over. Mahomes is the future. Aaron Rodgers has still got some in the tank, so we can bring him off the bench. That's how we go. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start Mahomes. I'm a bench Brady, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut Rodgers. Oh, that was expected. <laughs> But hey, yo, Chima, thank you, brother, for actually coming down here. Our first guest. We'll have more. Thank you, Chima. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. I really appreciate y'all for having me, man. Like I said, marathonmentors.org. We're changing name, image, likeness. Um, It's been an honor to be on. Y'all keep doing what y'all doing. Anytime that y'all feel like y'all need me, I'm here for you all. Uh, Definitely a blessing to be on the pod. Thank thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, listen up. Episode two. Follow us at. Support you to find on all social media. 
Hey, I'm your host, your best host, Premium Nam, alongside the people champ, KC, Mr. Rel 2 Rel. I think he's frozen right now. He's back. And my man, <laughs> Shima, Coley. Thank you, brother. We out. Peace.